We want to welcome you to the Bible teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church, where our desire is to honor God by faithful obedience to His Word. If you want to understand the Bible better, please continue to listen as Pastor Matt Postiff explains and applies the biblical text one verse at a time. You can reach us with questions or for more teaching audio and print material at our website, fbcaa.org. You can also watch our services live at fbcaa.org slash live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postiff opens God's Word. Good morning. Sister Becky asked how my father is, and I gave her the word right well. And what that means is that he's pretty much like he was the last time I went away to be with him. And so we thank the Lord for that. And I'm just uh, always blessed and honored to spend time with my dad. And it's humbling too, especially when I hear him continually saying thank you for every little thing which in our normal discourse, we just go right on. But it's like for every little thing, he's saying thank you and thank you. And and his expressions when I get ready to leave, oh, just thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming to spend time with me and all that. So it's a blessing. It's a blessing from the Lord. And so all praise is due to him. So the shadows are not blocking my view here. Okay, so now today we are going to turn to the book of Psalms and focus our attention in a portion of that uh, part of the Bible. The topic... is lifted from the first portion of verse of each of the three psalms I intend to look at today. Three psalms. I spoke to one brother just before we came up here, and I said, well, I have these three, and I don't know how far or what time we will use, but this is what we're going to look at. And so, praise the Lord. Psalm 111 is where we begin. And the other two psalms that I have are the immediately following psalms. That is 112 and 113. One of the interesting things that we will notice is that Psalm 111 and Psalm 112 seem to have a, a connection point. And it is as if one presents and then the other develops out of the theme. Or somebody used an illustration of the idea of how 
the sun and the moon, they both are shining, but the one is shining because of the other. And so this is what we have. I found some very interesting things in considering these psalms. But I think what I want first to do is, is merely to read through Psalm 111. These are God's words. This is God's word. There is one God, one true God, only one. And he is worthy of praise. And we all probably, as we think about ourselves and how we conduct ourselves in relation to him, and in expressions of praise, we probably all consider ourselves to be far short of where we ought to be in that regard. If you're not that way, then you're different from me. So here's the psalm, and let's see what these words are. In my Bible, there's an exclamation point after the first three words there. It says, praise the Lord. And then it says, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. So praise the Lord is it's like an admonition or an instruction or an encouragement, something people are told to do. But then this psalmist said, but as for himself, we don't know who the author is of the psalm. We don't know precisely or specifically if it was tied to specific events. But we do know this, that the psalmist says, praise the Lord. And that Lord is that unique word for Lord, sometimes referred to as the tetragrammaton, uh, the one unique God, the covenant-keeping God. And he says, I will praise the Lord. And then he says, with my whole heart. That is an expression that has got, got, grabbed my attention over and over again. Because I raised the question to myself, have I ever and do I actually praise the Lord with my whole heart? Do I ever? And so the idea is something that goes beyond just speaking words. But that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks praise. And so we need then to understand something about who God is. Because if we know and understand something about who he is, then we know and understand that he deserves all the praise that we can give to him. But we also know something about the works of God, and so we know something of who he is and something of his works. And so we have two reasons to praise him. 
And so as we go about our daily affairs and we interact with people, and we might wonder, are they praising the Lord? Do they ever use their voice to say praise the Lord? We should praise the Lord. People can see that we're doing that. And we want to do that. But then he goes on to say beyond that he will praise the Lord with his whole heart. But then he gives two other words here connected also to this phrase that he's given to the Lord. He says, in this assembly of the upright and in the congregation. So two words, assembly and congregation. So what is the psalmist getting at? Some think that the idea of assembly is a smaller circle of loved ones or Christian gatherings, and that the congregation would be more akin to what we do when we gather here. Somebody has used the idea of a, of a small study, small group, or maybe like what we did yesterday, the men who were here, we were assembled. And there, were, there was a small group of us. But today we have a larger group, so the idea of assembly. So this psalmist is saying that he would praise the Lord in both those settings with his own heart. And so that gives us something to strive for, the idea that I ought to praise him and it ought to be with my whole heart. And I should not be reluctant based upon where I happen to be. But I should be willing to give him praise. That's what is here. Now, in verse 2, there's an interesting word here that stands out. That word study, or as it's rendered here, studied. But listen to what it says here. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. What works of the Lord? You see, when, when the scripture says that the heavens declare the glory of God, it is telling us that there is something that we can look at and we can observe and we can study and that we can learn about. And that's God's handiwork. And so the whole creation, and I think we all probably really have marveled at human beings as we are. Because as we learn certain things, even about how our bodies operate, our sister, we've been praying for her, her niece. And this thing has happened in her body, which is not the desired thing to happen. It is not in this optimal situation like that. We know that God has permitted it for a reason and that his purposes will be accomplished and that trust must remain in him. We understand all that. But the body is marvelous. Marvelous in its design. And we study and we learn about that. That's God's work. 
The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. His works, his work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endures. His righteousness. Will the God of all the earth do right? The answer is he will and he does all the time and everywhere and always will. Studied. One of the things that I found is this, and this was presented uh, by a man who's Last name is Boyce, B-O-I-C-E. And it said that there is a science laboratory in Cambridge, England, called the Cavendish Laboratory, named after the 18th century English chemist and physicist, Sir Henry Cavendish. Now, his span of time on the earth was 1731 to 1810. Now, here's the part that I wanted to draw your attention to. It is distinguished by having the words of Psalm 112, verse 2, inscribed on the entrance to its building. Think of that. That's the scripture inscribed on the building for these people, these scientists. As a charter for every believing scientist, Great are the works of the Lord, and they are pondered by all who delight in them. So it's a wonderful thing to see such a thing in a public display or a public building. Because that what that is, is saying is that someone was looking at God's word, and it meant something to them. And they understood that what they were studying was God's creation. And so they were putting themselves in a place where they could acquire knowledge. I want to drink in another quote, talking about an inscription on a building. But before that, something that I gather from Wikipedia, it says, as of 2019, 30 Cavendish researchers have won Nobel Prizes. Notable discoveries have occurred at the Cavendish Laboratory, including the discovery of the electron, neutron, and structure of DNA. Now, I find that interesting for a building that has on it a Bible verse inscribed for all to see who come to that place. These are scientists. Many of our scientists today that don't have anything to do with the Bible, they don't acknowledge it. Now, the other quote that I was thinking of is this. On the campus of the University of Michigan, at, uh, I'm trying, I'm, that hall right across from the Student Union building, it's Angel Hall. That's right, A-N-G-E-L-L, -L, Angel Hall. But inscribed at the top of that building, is a statement that was lifted from the Northwest Ordinance 
the governing document before Michigan was a state. And what is said up there is religion, morality, and knowledge. That's the University of Michigan. Religion, morality, and knowledge. In its context, it wasn't any religion. It was a Christian religion that was referenced. But it says religion, morality, and knowledge being necessary to good government and the happiness of the people. Education and the means, schools and the means of education shall forever be encouraged. Think about it. And so I have often thought as I have walked through there, one time I was going through it and I looked and it seemed as if I couldn't see it. I thought, don't tell me they blotted that out. It would not have been a shock to me seeing what is going on. But there was someone who had the fortitude and the understanding to know that religion, Christ, first, out of which comes morality, and then knowledge that can be then properly used and used in ways that are honoring to the Lord. But with out the first two, we get horror and all kinds of problems, and we see them. But this psalm says, and this psalm says, praise the Lord. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious, that's verse 3. And his righteousness endures forever. And so his great works, he has great wonderful works. In verse 4, he has made his wonderful works to be remembered. And that's a word that I often pause on when I'm studying scripture. Remember, because it's so much, it has such great importance. There are a lot of things that it doesn't matter whether we remember them or not, and many things are better forgotten and never remembered again. But he says the wonderful works of the Lord to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. We know that. Our very presence of here is testimony to that fact. He's gracious and full of compassion. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. He has given food to those who fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. And we can think about this in, con in the context of Israel and, and the Old Testament history and all that. And how God made the promises. He had the covenant. And his faithfulness throughout the journey of his people out of Egypt into the land that he had promised to them and so he gave food he has declared to his people the power of his works and given them the heritage of the nations the works of his hands are verity and justice the things that are true 
the things that are just, how we need so desperately more of that in our lives today, in our world, in our country, in our town. We need more. But the works of the hands of God are verity and justice. All his precepts are sure. So what does that mean to us? If we understand that his precepts, the things that God says, the things that he's concerned about are sure, they're not changing. They're not shifting with the wind. But they stand certain. And for that reason, we know we can have confidence and trust because they stand sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. The words forever and ever have meaning. And the meaning is what the words say. Forever. And then in verse 9, and we think about this word redemption as we see it here in this next verse. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. We think of redemption in the first order and thinking about Egypt and their being redeemed out of um, Israel, Israel being redeemed out of Egypt and, and that. But there is a greater redemption and a future redemption, but of ourselves even being redeemed, redeemed, drawn out from the, the bondage and the, and, and of sin, having been dead in sin and trespasses and sin. And while we were that way, he provided for us redemption. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. His name represents who he is. Awesome is a word that we use, but we don't throw it around. We shouldn't frivolously to call everything awesome. <laughs> it's used here to bring uh, some added focus and attention to it. Awesome is used here that way. Holy and awesome is his name. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Many do. They don't understand what they're doing, but they do it. And now we're coming down to the last verse in this section. And it says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the beginning. And the middle, and the end, but it says here the beginning 
of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. There will never come a time when the praise of God is a superfluous activity. His praise endures forever, is what the scripture tells us there. And so recognizing the greatness of God's works, one should appropriately fear him. There is a way and of a great, wonderful, reverential, awe-inspiring fear of God. And in the context here, we can think of that is speaking about all these great, wonderful things that he has done, the greatness of him who is the creator of all this. And so that reverential, awe-inspiring. Of course, we know that there is another context for fear of God, which is the other side of the coin for those who don't have a right relation with him and who don't come into it, into it. And so the proper attitude of the creature toward the creator is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom cannot advance any further until the starting point is established. That is uh, a quote that I am reading there. I'm going to read another quote from, I mentioned Boyce, James Montgomery Boyce, if you want to look up some of his materials. But this is what he says. It is probably a safe bet to say that most people today are not much interested in wisdom. They are interested in making money and in having a good time. Some are interested in knowing something and getting an education. Almost everyone wants to be well-liked. But wisdom, the pursuit of wisdom, is not a popular idea. The pursuit of wisdom means you have to go in here. And if you don't want this, you're not much interested. That's where, as Dr. McGee would say, the rubber meets the road. And so that is that song. And it's an awesome and a wonderful song. But it says, praise the Lord. And now we're going to move on into Psalm 112. And just touch upon it a little bit. And then what I think I would do the next time is come back to these because I, I said I have three. And so 111 and 112 have a connection, and I'm going to point to that. But then 113, I want to bring that in as well. But I can't get into what I was thinking along those lines just now. But let's look at 112 for the first part. And we have actually two minutes.
that, but I think I might take seven. Anyway, let, let me read Psalm 112. It says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights in, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house as his righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horns will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away the desire of the wicked shall perish. And so it says in verse 1 of Psalm 111, praise the Lord. And then in verse 1 of chapter of Psalm 112, praise the Lord. And then it says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. And so this is a wonderful thing. It's first in that 111, the, dec- the writer made his declaration about praise to the Lord, and he is pointing to who this God is and uh, pointing to his works. And then in 112, the psalmist is talking about what are the fruit of those who are right in their alignment with God or have a right alignment with God, what to expect as a result of that. And they list all these good things. Now we know that some of this is, as you read it on his face, that we're to be careful as to how we take it so that we have a right understanding. Just as I said, the word studied in verse 2 of Psalm 1, 11, studied by all who have had pleasure in them about God's works. But in 2 Timothy 2.15, there's another way that we can think about what we need to be concerned about. And it says, study to show thyself a workman, approved of God, rightly dividing the word of truth, or rightly or correctly explaining the word of God so that we would not be, need to be reproved. Study to show thyself approved unto God. And so there is study. And so a part of how to properly use the psalm is involved in the whole idea of the right division 
or the correct explanation, <laughs> I think it's easier for us to understand because we say, I remember hearing that word a long time ago. Somebody was saying, rightly dividing the word of God. And I'm thinking, what are they talking about? Dividing the word of God. But there are people who would lift certain pieces of this verse and they claim to themselves things that are not promised to them. But we do understand that inasmuch as God is God and he's faithful to those who are his own, that he never leaves nor does he ever forsake those who belong to him. We, not, we may not have the riches of others. We may not have the finest of health. We may not have certain temporal blessings. But then on the other hand, we may have those in abundance, all these temporal blessings. And that may be God's gift of expression to us. And sometimes he does that because the heart is right with him. And that person who has that makes proper use of those resources. And they see people in need and they lend a helping hand. And they're not hoarding, trying to keep everything to themselves. And they're being honest and just in their dealings. And sometimes God blesses with abundance some of the righteous ones because of that. But the temporal blessings, you know, one of the things that I thought, and I wrote, I'm not going to look at exactly where I wrote it, but one can enjoy temporal blessings of health, wealth, prosperity, but those are temporal. But if one has that and doesn't have the eternal, it's all for naught. And so it is a fool's errand to pursue those things to the exclusion of God and say, I don't need him. My life will be this. That's a fool's error. Because God is still God and he will not be mocked. And all the blessings and the things that come to us, they are all given. They're all gifts from the hand of God. They're very breath that we take. And as Pastor Socks used to say, the only one of those that is promised to us is the one that's in our nostrils. And so our business is to be in the right relation to the God who is and to praise the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we have come and we have stood in this place and we have opened the word of God and we pray that the spirit of God will take the word of God and apply to our hearts so that this will not have been a vain exercise either for the one who stands here speaking or, or for any who are listening and who heard or who will hear. Praise the Lord. We ask in the name of Christ Jesus, our Savior, with thanks. 
Amen.